Hello and welcome to this week's episode of That's Enough Already, where I talk to a good friend of mine, Madeline Sami. You would have seen in everything in New Zealand. She hosts the Kiwi Bake Off and she was in the Breaker Upper Row. She's been in heaps of stuff. I actually have worked with her before on Super City. When I just moved to New Zealand, I watched Super City uh, season one and I absolutely loved the show. And then she plays all these different characters. And then for the second season, I got a call and she asked if I wanted to be in the show. And I said, yes, I do. Um, and I was in, I think, six of the episodes, and I just, she's one of the funniest, funniest people on the planet. So follow on socials, but also you'll hear this potty sort of ends really abruptly, weirdly. Uh, we had to do that. It didn't really. In real life, it ended like a normal, like, see you, mate, love you, love you, see you soon. But we couldn't do that because we started gossiping and I had to edit that last bit out. So you've not lost your mind. If it ends suddenly, no, we're in a little breakout in the room talking shit about other people. So, like, you don't do that with your friends. Enjoy the podcast. Shh, that's quite enough. Just stop. Just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Zip it. Shush, please. Uh, 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 uh. Yes, I can hear. Calm down, mate. But I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush. G'day. G'day, mate. How's it going? Are you gonna Are you gonna blow smoke up my ass in this um, talk chat? No, I was really. Are you not gonna Are you not gonna neg me like you normally do when we see each other? Just like I don't. It's just because there's a lot of sexual tension and none of it's directed <laughs> at me. When we're together, it's usually towards whoever else is in the room. So I just I feel neglected and then I lash out and that. <laughs> Do I need to hold you more when we see each that other? That would be nice, actually. Okay. Like, not now because you're, you're coughing and stuff, so don't touch me now. I'm going to hug the shit out of you when I see you next. Well, not in front of Hayley because, you know, that makes her jealous. Oh, yeah, she'll get really jealous. I'm not sure who she's jealous of, though, because you guys no, are pretty same. close too. I don't know. I feel like it's like, oh, maybe maybe we could neutralise things by hugging each other more. Are you suggesting a threesome? Yeah. Because I'm into it. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Let's have a three-way. Hi. <laughs> How old were you when you came out? Do people know you're homosexual? Let me ask um, you. Well, I've never really come out-ish. I've never really come yeah, out. Um, I've never, I was of that kind of like feeling of I'm on the spectrum of sexuality. This is this is more earnestly than we've ever talked about sexuality before. I'm obviously married to a woman and have been married to a woman for a number of years and been with that same woman for about, I think we're coming up to like 12 years now. But for me, sexuality has always been a little bit, bit of a mystery in terms of like what I would define myself as. I would say, you know, obviously I'm I'm married to a woman, pretty lesbian at the moment. I I don't know if I'm like bisexual. I've definitely been attracted to men in the past. Same. Yeah, so I don't know. I've, I've never really come out because the definition of what I would be is confusing to me. I think the closest maybe is bisexual, but it's kind of, yeah. I don't know, it's one of those things where I think about it and I think about coming out and saying what I might be and then I go, but wait, what if I, what if that changes? And, and yeah. then I have to go back in and come out of something else. I just, I don't know. And I've always actually resented the fact that straight people don't have to come out. I'm exactly the same. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like, and because I, I came out when I was 26, but the same. And lately I've, I've sort of had this weird crisis where I'm like, am I non-binary? Am I, like, I don't know. I mm. look at all the different definitions and I'm like, I don't think it is a one-size-fits-all thing, you no. know. Like, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't just 
see things like it is a person to person scenario for me. And yeah. in the beginning, I'm like, maybe it is bisexuality. Maybe it's just, I'm just open to. Is it pan? Are you pan? Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, but then I'm like, oh, you know, I'm tired is what I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think you can come out as that. But that was my approach too. Coming, I'm like, I was 20. Coming out as tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired am, thinking uh, about this shit. My name's Ursula and I am fucking exhausted. Um, God, congrats me too, babe. You've got a whole community of yeah. tired people out here. Yeah. We should have a, we should have a um, not a pride parade but a sit-in. And a relax. <laughs> a it's Saturday. It's Saturday from one o'clock to eight o'clock. There's yeah. no after we're gonna, party. We're going to sit in and protest people that have energy that aren't tired. Yeah. What are you doing with your life? Why do you have all this residual shit hanging around? Oh, so annoying. Oh, fuck. It's it's exhausting. Um, no, I came out at twenty six. I told my mum, and I literally just said, uh, and she goes, "I knew it," and that was it. That was my coming yeah. out story. Mine was true. Yeah, I came out when I sort of fell in love with my first girlfriend and then and then years later when I was sort of um in love with a guy I saw and yeah. uh, like my mum was just really confused because she'd done a lot of work to get her head around you know me being with a woman yeah. and then when I and then I think she was just kind of annoyed when I was like like this guy because she was just like oh well make your fucking mind up you know yeah because she'd done the work yeah. to kind of get her head around everything and you know become a more open yeah. person and then it was just like well what are you doing now you're just being yeah. a, being a greedy and you're slut I totally get that and yeah. I, I sort of feel for our parents but I also think they shouldn't be that invested in our sexuality mm. you know mm. it, it, should, it shouldn't matter but I think it is hard for them and also because they do you know now that you've got a kid too it's like you do kind of you can't you can't help it but sort of picture what their life will be like in the yeah. future yeah, and I'm like, they're both so straight, and I can't help but think that. I think, God, they're so straight. But then I'm like, I don't know. You know, I don't know what they'll be or, you know. And also, I mean, it's it's really interesting, the parenting thing and, and watching your kids grow up and what the, the influences on them, which, you know, for us tired parents a lot of the time it's like a cartoon, chucking them in front of the TV and, like, what gets fed to them through books and TV and all the, you know, like it's a very – we're still in a very straight world. Like there's very few, my yeah. daughter's three, you know, and there's very few people on TV or stories about people like us. There's princes, princesses and princes and kings and queens and um, yeah. where's the two queens, man? Where's that story? Yeah. You know, I think kids have no, like don't have much of a choice but thinking that they're straight at a young age because everything that's fed to them is super is heteronormative, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, because my son's already talking about and and the weird thing is they've got two mums, but they um when they play they're like that's the dad or you know yeah. even in the stories they go and my dad said this I'm like you don't have one of those, but um it's kind of weird how it's sort of you know um is just in them, but uh, yeah I I totally agree with you um. But also that's, I think that's also why I was fighting against, like I was never wanted to get married. I think it's such a, a old school hetero thing. And even when, when the guy, I mean, I totally get, you know, the guys were fighting for equality and I'm a hundred percent for equality, but I don't think anyone should get married regardless of <laughs> your sexuality. I'm like getting married is such a waste of money and, and energy you know, and you're spending time with people that you don't. It's such a it's such a lie, really. You're spending 
time with people that you normally wouldn't, you know, and, and yeah. you're paying for for the privilege to hang out with them so they can talk and you shit don't about really, you. And up. you don't really get to hang out with them that much on the day either. No. Yeah. It's chaos. It's chaos. I know. I, it was quite a, it's quite an emotional undertaking, eh, the whole day. We, yeah. had, we had a lot of people at our wedding. We had about 208 people. So it was more like a it was more like a festival, and yeah, it was overwhelming. I remember having oh, that a is enormous. Why did you have so many fucking people? I've got I'm one of twenty three grandchildren on my mum's side alone, so that's just my cousins, and they are all growing up. They were all like we were all really close friends. So that's uh, that's twenty three right there. Then we got yeah. the, all their kids. Then we got you know. Then I had to, I mean I was putting trying to put like people on Pip's list that were mutual friends and just being like, well, they're more, kind of more on your side because she was like, we have to have even, <laughs> we have to have even supporters. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of have similar attitudes to marriage. I feel like there was, I think that I wasn't necessarily in the camp for fighting for it because of the same reasons that you, you were thinking of, but I think there's like something about having the opportunity to do it that like makes you feel legitimate in this straight world that we live in. And it's sort of almost symbolic, you know, like, oh, 100%. you know, we, we deserve the same right to ruin our lives that you do by getting married. You know what I mean? I think, yeah. I think yeah. that we want to be miserable too. Yeah. We deserve to do something completely unnatural by connecting ourselves yeah. to one person for all of eternity and becoming yeah. miserable that we deserve and that shot as well it. and pay for it yeah. when we could have, we could have honestly put a mortgage on a house. Bought a house. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I mean, ridiculous. But, yeah, I, I know for me too there's something about there's something about an official union now that, you know, like having kids, I think. I think for me it, it really made me feel solid feeling being married and it made me feel like it made me feel like we could take that next step to, like, having kids. And I don't know if I would have felt that kind of same sense of stability if I hadn't got married. There was something about getting married yeah. that made me relax. Yeah, it's called letting go. And stop trying. Yeah. 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 So just letting us gaining with that fifty kilos. Oh yeah, it's all around the waist now. <laughs> you know what? I, I'll say this: as soon as we had kids and we all had the same surname, that sort of made me feel, you know, like oh yeah, we're a family now. This is proper. Yeah. It's yeah. weird, but as soon as we we all had the same surname, I was like, all right, here we go. Now we're now we're a mum and pop. You know, yeah. Um, all right. So you're 41. You're married. Um, you've got one kid. About my age more? on the fucking pod. Cut that, mate. Mate, you are fucking letting your hair go grey. Don't you start your shit with me. Have you ever met my mum, Ush? She's got like full white hair. We call her Mrs. Claus. Every every Christmas, we're like Mrs. Claus. She's got amazing white hair. My brother's got the same genetic thing because his hair is yeah. white as, and he just looks so handsome. I just want yeah. that to happen for me, but it's just it's just gonna, it's just taking ages. It's going to get into that awkward bit where yeah. it's like it doesn't really know what it's doing. But yeah, no, but you need to you need to color because look how gray I am. Those aren't highlights. So that's completely gray up there. But then I just go blonde, and then eventually I'll just stop coloring it and just put platinum highlights in. But I'm very gray. I mean, it's but pretty ridiculous. You can't though. Let yourself go. But you it's can't a double standard. It's a double standard. Ursh, men get to go gray. And they get hotter when they turn grey. They're like, a, there's a term. They call them silver foxes. Women, yeah. 
women get all this pressure of like, oh, what are you going to do with those? It's like I'm going to look hot yeah. like the men do when they age with yeah, their face. No, no, but not yet. No, no, you have to think of it. This isn't <laughs> about you, Madeline. This is about, okay, so you're five years younger than me and I don't want to go if, if we're in the you same. You don't want to go out in the go, same. Oh. <laughs> you don't want to go and, out and, to and, a club with me? <laughs> No, no, when people go, oh, how do you know each other? And sort of, and they realize that we're basically the same age, but you're white gray. That puts an age on me. And people, oh. you know, it's like, it's like when now when I see my old school friends and they, some of them were grandmothers, wow. you know, and, 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 and people go, how do you know each other? They go, we went to school together, but they're completely white gray and they've got a grandbaby. And I'm like, and when they go to the bathroom, I go, she used to work in the kitchen. She was the cafeteria lady. I'm like, don't you fucking let yourself go <laughs> now it ages both of us and now I look like a goddamn grandma. I will take that into consideration. But for the moment, Please. you know, when I come in and do these panel shows with you and they do our makeup and shit, I'll just get them to use that cheap um, supermarket spray, spray that they buy because I, I don't really yes. have enough to die yet, you know. But I'm proud of them. I want you to know I'm proud of you, little grey hairs. I'm not hiding you because I want to. I'm hiding you because Ursula is scared. You're forced. <laughs> you're forced. <laughs> I've written the email yeah. to the network. But just know I'm proud of you, grey hairs. Just know I'm proud of you, okay? I know you're under But not there. in public. Not in public. <laughs> uh-huh. So will you have more children? One more, I reckon. Are you going to nut one out? or? Yeah, I'm going to try. I want to selfishly, I, even though the world is burning and climate change is happening at a, at a pace I yeah. would like to go through the experience as the privileged experience a woman has of um, fucking my body up. I would like to do that. That's interesting. You 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 never wanted to carry? That's not a desire I ever wanted to have. No. Fuck it. No, some women you know. don't, I, and I, I completely respect that. When I was younger, I did. I mean, I did try. It didn't take. But then yeah. as I got older and I saw what pregnancy does to the human body and how fucking awful it is, you know, it's not all glowing and lavender smells and, you know, beautiful, rosy, fuck all. Mm. No, it, there's a lot of shit going on that people don't know about and, you know, that women don't want to talk about and I'm not going to talk about it now because I'm not going to be the one that pops this beautiful bubble. But, Mate, I watched, I watched my wife give birth. I know, what, I know exactly what happens. In fact, I've yeah. seen it up close. And I'm going to yeah. tell you straight up, like mm. halfway through that pregnancy, I was like, no fucking way am I doing this? <laughs> I mean, not mm. the pregnancy, but the, the birth itself. And then by the end, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to do it. Oh. Weird, eh? It, but yeah. I, I just think um, I also just love kids and, I, and I'd love yeah. to – I'd love to make a sibling for my daughter because she's so cool and she deserves one. And, and I, yeah, I mean, lots yeah. of reasons. But, I mean, I, I'm obviously 41. I've got to, you know, sort of get going really because I'm in yeah. my – it only kind of gets harder once you turn 40. That's the reality. What do you identify as? Can you lock that in? Are you a writer? Are you an actor, a director, um, a comedian? I would say – Have you ever done stand-up? No, I've never done stand-up. I've always thought about it. I just don't know what my vibe would be, you know. I don't know if I think I'd... it'd be so funny because you're just you're just one of the funniest people I know. Oh, shush your bush! No, you are. You're just fucking hilarious. You're oh, just a naturally. Know. You walk out. Okay, so let me let me tell our wonderful listeners where you and I met for the first time. I think, uh, if I recall, was at Lucy Lawless's fortieth birthday. And you were there with your sisters and you guys were performing and I was the, not, no, were you the MC? Mm, no, Anika no, Moore you, was the MC. Yeah. No, I was I, the opening act. Oh, was that at the, was that at a bar? 
Yeah, I think the King's Arms or something. Yeah. And I was I was the so it was you, um, Jason, uh, Anika, Lucy, and other, and and we were all and your sisters were there and we were uh, all performing and it was just I, like I couldn't. I walked into the room and I was like, holy shit, who are all these people? And I hadn't been in New Zealand very long. And I hadn't been doing stand-up very long. And then uh, it was just chaos. Everyone was just so happy and so out of their minds to be there. And I did my 15 or 20 minutes of comedy and women were throwing knickers at me. <laughs> that is literally the only time that has ever happened. And I was like, holy shit, I don't know if it's because it's such a lesbian-heavy bill or if it was, well, now I know it's because Lucy Lawless is there, but. Well, yeah, I mean, she is a, she's an, a lesbian icon. Like she is probably yeah. one of the most notifiable lesbian icons. She actually, yeah. she actually introduced me to my wife. Wow. She, I, I met Pip because. Lucy was presenting awards to her in 2009 at the at the New Zealand Music Awards, and Lucy, um, Lucy called me and she was like, you know, she'd had a few drinks, and she's like, "Mate, I was writing Super City, the first season of Super City at the time. Oh wow! And um, yeah. I just finished a writing session with our good friend Tom Sainsbury, and she just called me. I was literally in my work clothes, which you know, it's not like formal wear or anything. I'm, I'm you know, I'm a writer, and um, she was like, "Come down, mate, come down. I've got, a, I've got Jason Kerrison's." Backstage pass, you know, Jason Harrison from Op Shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, the rest is history. So Lucy is responsible for my marriage. Amazing. So if it all turns sour, I'll, I know who to go to. You to, will never talk to again. To pick me back up again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or to match you up with someone. Yeah. Fuck it out. Yeah. If you, like, I've, uh, a couple of times I've posted photos of me and her, like, in Melbourne, you know, when we yeah. sort of just met up at a party or she's tagged me in something in the past and then I just get these insane Lucy Lawless Yeah, fans, she's got like, a lot of crazy like, fans. I did, um, yeah. so I met Lucy, oh, well, I met Lucy, I was in the third to last episode of Xena, which I'm in the Xena oh. canon, like I'm part of that universe now. So, yeah. um, and it was a very... Les friendly episode. I played an Amazonian. There were a lot of um, Amazonians. Though it was it was like their Saving Private Ryan episode. Like basically, Amazonians were getting decimated by some random evil guys, and um, yeah. I survived. Got to do a pretty cool action scene. And um, I met Lucy on set, and she was yeah, she was like it was the end of Xena, so it's kind of a pretty crazy time for her. And then a few, like I think about a year later, we both got cast in the vagina monologues for the Auckland Theatre Company. So we spent a lot of time together and became really good friends. I didn't drive at the time, so she used to drop me off at my flat. And this was like, you know, she'd just finished Xena. She was like one of the biggest stars yeah. of, in the world, New Zealand, you know, and yeah. she's dropping me off to my flat in Mount Eden and sitting on the floor oh listening to me play guitar. I think I was about uh, 19 or something at the time. Oh, um, wow. But we became really good mates and um, have, you know, kept in touch over the years and, and um, see each other a lot. I just saw her last week and she's a real good friend. So, um, yeah. yeah, but she had some really, like, doing a play with her, just fresh out of Xena, she had, like, some crazy fans fly in from all places around the Everybody. world. And, yeah, yeah it was the, the, the kind of the, the show sold out and it was pretty much probably all Lucy's Xena fans yeah. um, just wanting wow. to see her in the flesh, you know, and... Yeah, to be part kind of witness to that, you know, that like see that sort of firsthand was crazy. And I think 
I think she enjoyed giving me those rides home because she she liked having the company because some of those fans, you know, would just turn up in pretty crazy places and stuff as well. And it was a bit like Whitney Houston's The Bodyguard and I was Kim Costner. Uh, but Whitney Houston was my driver, so it's weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Your Whitney was just real down to earth. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you live in New Zealand now. Yeah. yeah. Would you, are you going back to LA or are you staying in New Zealand? We moved back to have our baby because um, yeah. – my sister had had some like difficulties with her baby who's about nine months um, older than my kid. He's four now. Um, but we just kind of being around when that happened, I was like, you know, with the American health system being the way it is. And we had health insurance and stuff like that in, in America. But we just felt like coming home and having the support of our mums going through that process would be the smartest yeah. thing to do. So we moved back. Um, we lived there for about five years and moved back in 2017. I was sort of coming and going quite a bit because uh, and Pitt was making her records and stuff up there, but I, I was coming going coming and going a bit with um, work. Um, but yeah, I I love it. I love New Zealand. Like being here and especially through the pandemic and stuff, I've realised how lucky how lucky we are. Yeah, shit, yeah. And you shot the Breaker Operas. Is that is that on Netflix? Still? Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's um I think it's still on Netflix. Yeah, on on the international Netflix. I don't. I feel like there's different rules for different areas. Yeah, that was and I'm in that. Yeah. For three seconds. Yeah. I saw Breaker Operas did really well. Like, it, it did really well at the yeah, box office. Yeah, it's all because of you. Because that three-second cameo from you. No, but seriously, and it, it's still in the – It's is it the top 10 or top 20 of the most successful uh, New Zealand movie ever at the box office? I think, that is I think it's up there, yeah. Yeah. So are you, are you rich now? No, shit, no. I mean, yeah, because that's how the arts work. That's how the arts work. We didn't lose money. That's a win. We didn't make a lot of money, but we, we, we did make some money. Um, I mean, you and, know you know how it goes. You Most sold it to Netflix. Was there a lot of money in that? Um, there was a bit of money, but you know how the you know how the kind of structure goes when you when you get finance for a film, you mm. um, get all these people to kind of invest in your film. The the contracts that they all draw up mean that they get all of the money first and then so basically when you get paid out some money all of the people that invested that money get paid their money plus some first and whatever's left gets split up between the rest of us. So it could seem like, you know, if you saw it, if you read it in the paper or whatever, how much, how much money we started a movie for that, you'd be like, Whoa, that seems pretty cool. But then by the time it filters down to us, it's not much at all, but we didn't lose money. So that is a win. I mean, we we had no expectations for how the film was going to go. You know, at at the time, I don't think that uh, barely any woman had even, directed a comedy movie let alone made a real female centric comedy film in New Zealand history anyway and so we just wanted to make it real good and funny to us and have a good New Zealand release and the fact that we were able to go to South by Southwest and we opened the Sydney Film Festival and all that shit that came afterwards was just like amazing and it's led to a a bunch of really cool opportunities for me and Jackie as well so it kind of went as as better than we ever thought it would go. I watched it at the actual, actual cinema twice. Did you? So you know. I feel like I remember you yeah. messaging me. Yeah, I would have sent you photos of me at the cinema. I just looked at the photos last night Did of you? me and my friend. You're um, doing research for this interview, for no, this chat. No, I always like to look at photos. I'm going to go through my – I'm going to go and search my Twitter messages because I do remember you messaging me. I did, I did. 
um, goal and twice. I think weirdly in the same weekend, which was uncalled for, but I did it well, anyway. Well, that's so old school. Going yeah. to the movies twice in the same weekend. I love Okay, so this is my this is my idea for the cinema, um, because it's like it's it's a dying form. Like I go to the cinema often, and I take the kids, and they love it, right? But we're usually in there alone, and I think then they go, you know, the cinemas are going under, and yeah. we have a housing crisis because we have a land crisis, quite frankly. Yeah, I think they should, they should bowl all the churches except for the real historic ones, you know. Then they should convert the historic ones into youth centres in the city and, and, you know, do good in there and make it like kitchens during the day where they can feed kids who need it. Wait, are you or trying to anyone? become the mayor of Auckland now by this? I am. This is my political Shall pitch. I go make a cup of tea and, and then come back or do you want me to listen to yeah, this? Yeah, that would be great. Oh, no, that would be great, actually. You could just mute it. <laughs> you back to it. I want to see a surprise. But then all the churches can go into the cinemas because they take up so much space and they have all these massive parking lots. Fucking bowl them and put some houses on and let's get people in some homes and then they can go pray at the cinema. Okay. And it's set up for that. Right. I'm gonna, so you usually just get rid of the Sunday sessions at the movies. No more Sunday sessions. You're, you're supposed to be hungover on a Sunday. You're not going to the cinema. Any decent Christian should be hungover as fuck on a Sunday. No, you smoke a bucket bong before you go to church so you can sit there and doze off. Did you grow up religious-ish? Yeah, very. Both my, both my grandmothers were ministers. What, what religion? Oh, my God. Uh, well, it was all like, so there's some Methodist, Church of Nazarene. My grandmother was the, the first female minister at the Church of, well, in South Africa because, you know, women weren't allowed Ooh. to do that job. World, uh, and she was the first minister, and she worked for the Church of Nazarene, and she was paid an American dollar. So American church employed her as a minister because no South African church would give her a slot. Holy shit! Then, but there's still, I think, there's twelve ministers in my family. Oh my god! Cousins, uncles, it's insane. What a, what a, what was that like coming out with that sort of with a religious family like that? Oh, I didn't tell them shit. I still haven't. Oh, really? They saw it on on YouTube on a clip um, that I did and one of my uncles said it's such a waste and then I I had a go at him and then he goes, oh, maybe, he goes, no, no, I'm your uncle. I said, I know exactly who you are. Don't fucking comment on my shit. Wow. Families at war. Doom, doom, doom. Um, That's crazy. But, you know, um, fuck him is what I say. Yeah, 100%. I, uh, like, their opinion means fuck all to me. If I haven't spoken to you in six months, it's like old clothing, then I'm probably going to throw you out. I don't need you. No, mm. don't say that because I haven't spoken to some people. But you know what I mean? It's like uh, you haven't spoken to me in 25 years and now you feel like you can come and lodge an opinion on my shit. But that, that yeah. comment, which, you know, I feel like every every queer person has heard in their life, what a shame, what a waste. What yeah. is that about? Like, who's it a waste for? It's a waste yeah. because men can't have sex with you. Yeah, like what is your fucking deal? What are you picturing here? It's what not. It's a win expect- for other women that have a shot. Yeah, I mean, uh, and do they ever have a shot? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me ask you. This is the whole point of my podcast. What is the thing that shits you about other people? The thing that you go, "This is just the fucking end of me." What is that thing that just drives you nuts about other people? Negativity. That would be the main thing. Like people that are that can't find the positive in anything. 
you know, like especially like with Kiwis, I, I found, you know, living in the US and going back and forth between LA and, and New Zealand, I found that kind of general kind of blanket of negativity or like the tall poppy thing, whatever it is, um, started to get to me quite a bit because I, I feel like sometimes New Zealanders especially, we can talk ourselves into feeling down a bit. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and I feel like what the Americans do quite well is actually just find something nice to say. They just find something nice to say, you know, like, and it comes, it would be like, I'd walk into like, we were, we lived close to an In-N-Out Burger, which was always my like favorite place to go when I, when I got back to LA, I'd just be like, I literally get off the plane. I want to go to In-N-Out Burger. And I remember turning up to one looking like a piece of shit, probably off a plane from New Zealand. I was wearing my $2 Dr. Dre t-shirt from the op shop that I got, that I bought in LA. And I, and I remember getting my burger and this was kind of like, he, he wasn't like overly friendly looking guy, but he served me. And I remember him saying, he was like, man, I love your t-shirt. And I was just like, wow. Like even at that level, this guy's like busy at work. Even at that level, this guy didn't seem super friendly. He's like giving me a compliment. And like, whereas it, uh, like, I don't know, just even, even something as small as that. Like I was just like, Americans just like to find something nice to say. And it does give you this positive feeling. And I yeah. feel like sometimes in New Zealand, and I, I feel like this has changed actually quite a bit as well. Like I don't feel like New Zealanders are, are as negative as they were like 20 years ago, but I feel like there's sometimes a hesitancy to like kind of celebrate or be positive or like, you know, hold someone up. And um, that, that kind of gets on my nerves sometimes. I try to I try to be quite a positive person, but there's so much depression. There's so many sad things in the world, and I feel like making the effort to be positive and put good energy in the world is, like, important. And I, I also think, especially now with everyone, you know, suffering from a bit of PTSD after mm-hmm. this thing that we're going through, it's like if you make one good decision a day, you know, even if it's making your bed or contributing, like... Or putting the toilet roll on. The right way, over Oh, okay. Over. Interesting. You're an over. I'm an under. Oh, so you're wrong. <laughs> what a, Why does what it bother you? <laughs> does it matter? What is the one thing about you that pisses you off that you wish you could change about yourself? It's uh, the one thing that pisses me off. Oh, man, God, this is hard. I'm so perfect. No, I think I, um, <laughs> I think I, uh, I don't know. I feel like I, internalize like a lot of my feelings sometimes um I grew up like me and my older brother you know we got this four in my family got two younger sisters and they're a lot they're a lot more like outwardly emotional you know they've they always yeah. been like oh you hurt my feelings and I'm so annoyed like their whole lives and me and my older yeah. brother are very similar in that we we kind of feel like that you know it's the older sibling thing of I've, I've just got to you know kind of grin and bear grin it, and bear it. And then um, often that will come back to haunt you, right? Like, so I feel like that's something that annoys me about myself. But I, I've tried to kind of be aware of that. And and even though it doesn't feel natural, I'll try and like, you know, in my relationship, I'll try and be like, instead of sitting on something that like Pitt might have said to me or done, I'll, I'll try and like be more, you know, confront her with it more, like about how it's made me feel or whatever more quickly these days rather than, you know, like a month later, just be like, ah, you have my feelings when you said da, 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 you know, like. Yeah, because it doesn't, it doesn't count. If you, if you let time lapse, then you can't, you can't, no. if you don't bring it up at the moment. Yeah, I'm not a super conf- confrontational person and I feel like um, I find that hard and I find it, but, you know, that sort of, that sort of turn, can turn into me like not standing up for myself sometimes and I feel like yeah. I have, that's something that I, that annoys me about myself and I've tried 
I work on it a lot, you know, working with people like, you know, I work with a lot of strong-minded creatives and they've taught me a lot about doing that. Like working with Jackie, Jackie's a super strong-minded person who, um, you know, she's not, she, she's not afraid to kind of fight for what she believes in and at, she, she's a, a fucking, she, no, she's not a bitch. She's um, <laughs> a, a wonderful human being and an immensely creative and um, intelligent yeah. human being, and but also just like not afraid to stand up for what she believes in. And, you know, working with her has taught me a lot about doing that and being like, you know, being that kind of person. Because in the long run, it makes you feel better. But in that moment, it can kind of be awkward to... To, yeah, to, you know, bring it up. Yeah. I, I, I want to um, say something here, maybe just change the way you word it even because you say I am I'm not good with conflict and how to confront someone and don't make it as like you're confronting anyone, just like having a conversation. Then the minute okay. you go, I'm not confronting because that makes it combative. Yeah, exactly. You go, I'm going to confront you. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like don't look at it like that. And but also, I find once I turned forty, my give a fucker meter just went right out the window. I think that's what happens, though, right? Because I feel like that now too. And like, I I just don't have time to time is yeah. you know like you get to forty and you go, I'm old now, and I don't have time to fuck around and not shit, not say what I really think. Um, in the second, this is the second half of the game. We've just had um the you know the the break, and now it's like okay. Now now it's fucking knuckle down. Now yeah. we've got to work hard. And, and yeah, and I, I think it's amazing. And, like, just small things, like, uh, please don't sing along with the song. Um, I really want to hear the artist's version of it and not your <laughs> fucking voice humming through every song. Like, you know, just stuff like that. Well, I don't know, actually. Maybe you're, like, maybe because you're a little bit older than me, you're just getting into, like, grumpy old person age now. I hope <laughs> <laughs> I like calling. I like. I like how you say it's the second half of the game. I'm hoping that um yeah. that I could be like the All Blacks, you know, ten or twenty years ago, where that last twenty minutes is where they just like really nailed it. That means like sixty yeah. to eighty, right? So I can cruise yeah. for the next twenty. There's a movie that came out. I think in the early nineties, or you know, could even have been. I'm I'm sure it's in the nineties. Death becomes her. Oh yeah, I love that movie. And yeah, so is it Alec Baldwin that plays in that? Is it, yeah, one is, it, of them. is it Goldie Horn and no? Is it no, what? Susan Sarandon and Alec Baldwin or something. Ah. I could completely be making this up. But in the movie, he falls out of the window and they assume he's dead, but he then disappears and he starts a new life and they show show them years later where the two of them are at his funeral. It's Meryl Streep and, and Goldie in, Horn and Bruce Willis. Yep. Uh, Bruce Willis. <laughs> this is basically the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they're sitting at his funeral and they go, uh, his son gives the eulogy. And so up until that point he'd been married and he hadn't had any kids with them. But um, then his, his son gives the eulogy and they go, nobody really knew anything about dad. Um, you know, he just sort of appeared out of nowhere in his 40s and then he became a doctor and he did all these things. And I always think about that um, in my life when I, you know, when I go, fuck, I don't know if I should tackle something new or if a new opportunity comes up, I go, I don't know. And then I think about that movie and this guy who just started from absolutely fuck all on a rainy night, went to medical school, became a doctor, did all this. And I know it's fictional, but it sort of just hit me like there's no age limit. I was going to say it is fictional though, Ursula. I, don't, I mean, I don't want to brush your bubble. I don't want to be a cat, typical New no. Zealander, but give me a real life example. Give me, give me a real life example. Okay, okay. I'll give you one. I'll give okay. you one because I just read it. Okay, do it. Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres. Mm-hmm. She got her the biggest success of her career, which has now become probably the biggest failure because she's she's quitting her show. She started that at forty five. 
Yeah, see? That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush.